Good morning. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. It's it's quiet morning. It's got that sort of the winter quiet going on. Almost uh, foggy out. So it's, so it's it's not quite clear. Something that I saw uh, just as I was heading out the door, it's kind of grasping at straws. It's like, oh, what am I going to talk about? And. I saw my copy of Frankenstein, and one of the things I've, I've picked up from the story is this nested narrative that there are three, three, let's see, is it three frames? So there's one, I guess it's two frames, and there's the outer story, which we encounter at the beginning and the end. And it's this captain of a sailing ship. Uh, and then the he meets uh, in these letters. He sends he's sending these letters to his sister, and at the moment that he meets. Victor Frankenstein, the creator of the monster. We have this narrative uh, switch, and it becomes Victor Frankenstein is narrating. And then closer to the middle of the book, we have uh, another uh, frame narrative frame that we pass through and that one is the monster telling its story and then we step out of the, the narrative th- that narrative th- frame and and then we return finally to the uh, the captain's letters and that's that's something I've been thinking about because you can see it in the Arabian Nights or a thousand and one Arabian Nights stories or something where Scheherazade like say we have the outer story and then we have and, and too it's a so it's a it's a the storytelling taking place within a story <clears throat> And in that case, it's the, the basic story is for the Arabian Nights is that there's a a king who has um, 
uh, was that his wife is having uh, these these affairs, and it so upsets him and jars him that <clears throat> he kills her and then starts marrying women and killing them. I think the next day, and this gets so bad that he. I think it's that he sort of like say that there's lots drawn or that Shahrazad's sister gets chosen and she volunteers to uh, take her sister's place with this plan. <clears throat> uh, and the plan is to start a story but not finish it. And uh, that and this and this plan is effective. But anyways, we have the this storytelling that e each of the stories is um, set up this way. And and there's this understanding with the reader as they go through that all of these stories, you know, in this anthology. It, it is. It's a collection of stories. You know, Sinbad the Sailor and Aladdin and other stories that have been compiled. And, and I like that. I like that there's the this narrative frame that's connecting everything. But I didn't... I don't... I think it's that I knew that Frankenstein was written that way, but I just had never uh, thought about it. So that's a, a reason to read the front matter, the introduction and foreword and so on and so forth. An another example I'm thinking of are stories that starts start off kind of second-hand, like Utopia, where we have a kind of journalistic entry that's talking about meeting someone at a party, and then this par person at the party turns out to be a traveler, and so they're giving us these stories of uh, strange and different places. And I, I sort of consider, well, it's like, well, what is it that makes, like, say, why use that? What is the effect that it creates? Say, for example, Thomas More in writing Utopia, what if instead of talking about going to a party and he meets somebody who tells him a story? And just as a sidebar footnote, I think that the Baron Munchausen stories are sort of similar. That it's about meeting somebody who tells of their adventures. But back to uh, Utopia. <clears throat> so, uh, if, if Utopia was just told first-hand...
like say a, a first-hand account, what it's what it's doing is it's saying, it's uh, I guess it's it's almost like saying ah that uh, Thomas More himself went, that he went to this place, and instead he he distances himself from that, and I think he sort of aligns himself, or at least aligns the narrative character with the reader. Almost say, you know, some stories, uh, or, yeah, some stories start off with, uh, beginning or introducing the world, uh, like say we see through the character's eyes, you know, we start the job with the main character, or we start school, or there, there's some kind of change uh, that's happening. And, you know, we, we are introduced the, uh, to this new world or universe uh, through the main character. So it's kind of like we're sharing sharing the experience, rather than being dropped in and not knowing what's going on. So, I had a number of ideas uh, regarding nested narratives or narrative frames that say a, a whole novel could be done with with narrative frames and that it, it, it could be maybe in the first draft trying out almost like a rippling and just every every chapter would be uh, this meeting somebody new who tells a story, but that say these are all people involved in in the plot of the story. So it's it's not extraneous. These are not short stories. It's just different perspectives. And so, say in the first chapter, we. We meet one character, uh, and then by the end of the chapter, another character is, announces, you know, they're going to tell a story and or tell their version of what happened. And again, a, a kind of Rashomon. And then, so in the next chapter, we, you know, we have this second character talking about their experience. And then third chapter, third character. I suppose a way to sort of ground it or center it would be to talking, have them all talking about a specific event and all, like have a limited number of characters and that in each of their stories they're interacting with each other and... It feels interesting. 
I, I do have a uh, literary fiction project that that would work with that uh, kind of structure that say it would be inventive but it wouldn't be all over the place and it could still follow the same um, structure you know the three-act structure that framework could be there I'm just thinking of Russian dolls right now because uh, there's these nested Russian dolls that you may have seen which are they look like I want to say a babushka but that, I think that's grandmother or something and it's it's not quite right but it's a they're they're painted they're sort of almost like a peanut shape and then they have like you know a very very tiny one at the center and then there's these like layers of an onion that the successive dolls surround and I'm just I'm just thinking that story-wise that's a, another way to do it what what I'm talking about it it could get complex in uh, weaving, weaving the threads of the story, and I, I suspect later, like say in in the editing, you'd have to sort of be, you know, working out for the reader. But I always liked stories or movies like that where there's this element of. Uh, surprise that say the reader knows something that the characters don't and it, we have the potential of having access to all of the characters so we would be able to see something that uh, the main character might not or and that's very much like life you know we don't have access to everybody's thoughts and experiences <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> one of the ways of uh, illustrating that the notion of of a frame uh, a kind of a poetic or even a fantastical way of, of showing it in the, in the story is that at the end of each chapter we have a kind of picture and that It could be uh, talking about these stories <clears throat> via photographs and paintings. You know that these that these images are part of a story in people's lives, and 
that adds an an element of of time because you know with the photos and the paintings we could, could be going back to uh when they were created or taken you know somebody took the photos back in the 50s or 30s and i, I don't know about you but i have black and white photos even some sepia ones that are sort of a brownish and then going into the color and two the, the weird thing is is that somebody coming in from the outside they wouldn't be able to tell who you know what the what the story is they would have basics They'd go oh it's a Christmas, you know, there's a Christmas tree, I can see some presents, maybe they see a person with glasses, and there's all the little details about the person, like, you know, it's a man, uh, shaved glasses, you know, haircut, um, you know, the hair's not grown out. wearing a blue shirt and it's hard to tell what kind of pants, slacks or something like that and we can't see the the feet because the photograph is uh, cutting off the feet I feel like it's just starting to drizzle or mist right now which thinking I should head back to I didn't bring the umbrella because when I stepped out it was dry so I think I'll just circle back and pick up a bumber shoot which is another name for an umbrella I think it's American actually I, I, was, I looked it up at some point So the the story that I'm thinking of using this in, uh, why am I doing literary fiction? Well, I I can. I I think everybody can do literary fiction. One of the prerequisites, though, is uh, some knowledge or, say, some display of literary devices which are online or to have some plan in mind such as the one I'm I'm mentioning now with these you know narrative frames and too that's something that's bouncing around in my head for a while I didn't have any uh, other than, say, one narrative frame, I didn't really have a, a two narrative frames, like, say, three stories that surround each other. 
so I am interested in checking that out. I, I sort of drew one up for my, for, um, it was a creative writing instructor. I remember being in the class and uh, drawing this, you know, frame within a frame. But I, I hadn't considered uh, Frankenstein. It's, it's interesting stuff, too, because I think she wrote it, this is Mary, I think it's Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, but uh, she, she, I, I think she wrote it in her uh, early 20s, and I, I could be wrong about that, but you know, right, that's my memory right now, and that <laughs> it's uh, and too she you know she had uh well read parents and um i want to say you know was privileged uh it's just taking a look at it reading it and it's it's marvelous and It's just say to 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 be young, to be that age, and to be to be making something of that scope. And I I want to say something like, you know, oh, she probably didn't understand everything because she's in her twenties. But you know, I, I I think if you know you're surrounding yourself with that knowledge. I'm just imagining that her education uh, was, in a way, it was more advanced you know, than, say, our public education. And it probably included things like, you know, learning Latin and Greek, uh, possibly uh, a foreign language. I, I don't know. Just reading it is just... Um, it gives you a sense of of the age, the time. I always think that those... That, you know, those times, say, 200 years ago, 200, 300, that it's... You know, you still don't know... The, you know, the expectation is uncertain. You don't know if you're going to die from TB... Um, People's lifespans are not uh, not that far. I think she I think she died when she was fifty, and our life expectancy now is say that most people are are going to live. I think it's like seventy, and. And two, that, that women are going to live longer. It's weird walking these streets. I'll have these moments where it almost becomes like a movie. Like I've 
like I'm not in the real world. And slightly cartoonish. There was, there was a intersection back there. Sort of like I say, a T-shaped, a three-way intersection. And so I was heading heading towards the intersection and I had this feeling of that things were surreal or not quite real. <clears throat> I think part of it is the that it is early in the morning, it's still dark, winter, damp. So, narrative frame. Another part of the story is that each of them is its um, first person. One of the problems with first person is forgetting the name right now, but it's something like uh, trustworthy, that we, we don't exactly trust the narrator. Uh, say as the story goes along, we find out that they have a, a bias or a, or a view I saw something a week ago on Twitter where someone posted uh, uh, a writer posted that you know a literary professor would read English teacher would read um, fiction and the example given was the, the color blue and the professor says you know oh this blue symbolizes that um, umbrella achieved. So the yeah, so the, the color the color blue is symbolic and works with other stuff, maybe like even a late motif or something. Um, but just basically that it's symbolizes being sad, you know, depressed. And then uh, the writer's response to this is, no, it's just the color blue. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was just thinking that, you know, the, the writer may have done it in, unintentionally, and and yet, that it, you know, it, there could be this accident of effect. But what if, what if there's a, say during editing that it's intentional, right? That there's an opportunity to bury or pack, and on one hand, you know. That's a lot of work, you know. You just want to tell your story and get out of town. Throw your money at me. 
Uh, and, uh, but on, on the other hand, I'll, I'll read, I'll read some stuff and I can see that it's been packed, you know, rather than deconstruction, it's, it's been constructed and, and yet perhaps not, you know, it's sort of reading into it, but I, I think that that's a part of the uh, pleasure of literature, you know, engaging with it, and it ceases to become the writer, and it becomes, you know, the the, the reader. Much like, say, going and looking at a painting, and the artist who doesn't want to explain what it is you know, that, that you know they want they want the viewer uh, to bring and to kind of shape it like what for example the uh, the dove symbol used by the the UN. I, I can't remember if it's if if their logo or if um, I just remember they went to Picasso and, and uh, they wanted to get a painting from him and they they chose one. They they thought it was a dove and he laughed and said, "No, no, no, it's a pigeon." And they're both right because doves are pigeons. And it's just say that's an, a very simple example of you know bringing something and interpretation, misinterpretation. There's a there's a joy there. Stories within stories. Each character has has a story. They have a script that they're living by. A, a kind of belief system, a personal belief system. I'm just imagining these uh, characters for this uh, this literary fiction that I'm thinking about. <clears throat> uh, what differentiates literary fiction from other genres? There's a bit of there's a bit of a sense of art. It's it's different than it's it's something like the difference between poetry <coughs> and yeah because there's there's poetry that has been you know people are expressing themselves and then there's 
poetry that has been um, edited and taken apart and <coughs> excuse me and the latter has this ability to fall uh, fall into into literature and on one hand that seems wrong it, you know it's sort of it's a limitation but there's this uh, canon there's this collection of of work that defines the whole sense of, of poetry. And uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, uh, for example, study, studying Wordsworth and reading these poetry manifestos that that have these philosophies and their responses to the poetry that has come before and saying things like I'm going to uh, I'm going to do it differently this is my response And then, of course, the scholars come in and interpret it. Uh, but that's uh, there's nothing new with that. Uh, for me, poetry is has become really complicated. Like, for example, um, scansion, and scansion is looking at these parts of of uh, of a line and watching the 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 rising and falling of intonation there's and too there's a lot more involved in it but that's just that's just one that's just one little tiny uh, part of poetry. And I'll see poetry on, on Twitter and it, it sort of sort, uh, it saddens me. Like it, uh, I get it, but I also, um, I don't want to look at it. Like I don't want to <clears throat> get critical of it. And I've seen that on Twitter where, or online where people will weigh in and say, you're doing it wrong, or something like that. And and, and that's not, not what people want to hear. I feel myself drifting away from talking about nested narratives.
literary interpretation. The other side of having um, work interpreted <clears throat> is that it might be misinterpreted. That you know, people are looking at it through a completely different lens. And one of, one of my fears after after being published was that someone was going to come along and look at my story and find something that was unintentional. And, and that hasn't happened, but... Uh, I, I don't think you can divorce yourself from what, what you've written. Like, say, that is... There's a bit of you in the story. There's, you know, the reflection is there. <clears throat> much, much like Victor Frankenstein and uh, the monster. So creating this thing. But also it takes on a life of its own. So the characters that I'm imagining for this work of literature, <clears throat> and to I don't know, you know, say that's my intention, but I'm not sure how it will turn out. We have a pipeline that's being pushed. Uh, so it's coming from the next province over, and they're wanting to build it through our province. <clears throat> and, you know, they're wanting to build it through people's uh, properties and um, to have oil being piped to. Uh, the Pacific, where it would be picked up by tankers and taken away. <clears throat> and for me, there's a lot of potential, uh, just say, external conflict, which is uh, conflict with nature or um, institutions or representatives of uh, one's culture, sort of status quo. And so I was looking at it thinking, you know, there's lots of opportunity for that. Oddly, the, the kind of core characters of the story for me are <clears throat> working in this was it you know cust customers employees owners of a hair salon and uh, I've known some people over the years who've cut hair I've known I've known some people with businesses 
uh, where, where, but where I got the, where I got the characters from, I was watching a variety show where these older women at a hair salon were being interviewed. And it was so funny, I thought, just their responses. They would not um, participate. Uh, they would not, kind of like they would not play by the rules. They were, it's, it's almost like it, uh, it, it was their domain or their territory. And they were very much in control. And, uh, but it was wonderful because they weren't, <clears throat> they weren't wowed or cowed or um, taken off guard. And I, I, I looked at these three women and I thought, you know, oh, this is them. <laughs> this is this is who I want to write about, right? I want to investigate these three women. And it, it was kind of weird because it's from a... An, a it, it just doesn't seem obvious. But inspiration comes from anywhere, so... I, th I think how I would use the narrative frames in this sense is that there's, say, stories. There's the stories that the hairdressers are telling each other. And then there's the hair, the, there's the hair, there's the um, customers that are coming in with their stories. And, you know, it's, say, it's being overheard, uh, gossip as well. I saw a completely different, um, it was something to do with fishing and cleaning fish. It was a different show. And I saw um, a, a woman, the, the interviewer was talking about, was like, well, how, how did these the women who worked cleaning the fish really fast, how did they keep going? And the answer was that they gossiped. Like, they gossiped really hard. That they were vicious. And if there was no gossip, they would be making it up. And it was kind of... Um, they... They, how can I say this? They, they, it, it was like that they had this agreement that it wasn't real. And so, say, they, they couldn't be upset. Like, say, if it was happening at work, right, all of these things that were being said, that... And, too, there, there, there are truths in... The, you know, the rumors and gossip, these small kernels of truth here and there. But the majority of, of it is just vicious nonsense. And, you know, a lot of sniggering, a lot of, you know, <laughs> and uh, um, 
you know, swearing back and forth and, you know, you know, I'll, I'll get you for that. And I, I wonder about, say, stepping out of that environment. And I'm sure it's not the same everywhere, but for that particular environment that they step out of it and, you know, they, they go home, right? Do they unplug? Uh, are they able to stop? Does it get them? Like, say that they've, you know, you know they, they're an insult, right? Or some sort of comment about uh, their situation. And do they, do they take that home with them? And are they upset? <clears throat> I, I, I suspect that they're not bulletproof. And that these, you know, that these women have, you know, they have lives, you know, and they're real people. And uh, sometimes they're tough and uh, strong, and then other times they're human beings, they're weak. Um, something, something will get them or hurt them or... What I'd like to see is that uh, even even though there is this kind of verbal um, sparring, you know, verbal chess match happening at work, that that it's a they are a community and that they are you know taking care of one another and uh, helping out each other through difficult times so 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 there is a kind of redemption to the to the place and so those are the two levels going on that there's the external conflict then there's the personal conflict uh, between these three women their families, their friends, and and then there's a internal, the internal conflict. Usually, there's a main character that's having having a uh, <clears throat> internal dilemma, and I'd I'd have to explore that a bit more. My first thought, though, that it would be almost like, say, the the owner uh, who has been offered a lot of a lot of money. And so the conflict there is letting go of the place and the people that the, the pipeline would come through and uh, demolish the the place and yeah so the place would get demolished these you know the people that she's employed uh, and, and and sort of bouncing back and forth with you know well you know they can find other jobs but 
kind of like the deeper sort of point of the whole thing is the the loss of this community space that it it, it really is a a hub locally and sort of loved and cherished you know the the relationships i remember my mother getting a haircuts and uh sort of that like she would talk with her hairdresser you know and uh i just found myself i was going i'm i'm about to say you know that there was gossip involved you know but it, it, i don't know to what degree just that you know they're talking and i'm i think i'm pulling in uh stereotypes you know like how's it going how's your you know how's your son how's your husband da 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 uh, So those are my those are my characters that that I'm you know I'm playing around with the, this this notion just about to head down a street that I don't normally go down and uh that's always interesting. So we're pretty much wrapping it up at this point. Ending the narrative frame. <clears throat> I, I think the final thought about that is that a book itself is a narrative frame. And say, before books or writing things down, writing stories down, that it would be the, the storyteller or the, the poet or the bard who would sing the story to life, you know, and you know, turn on the TV set of the mind that the, ma- the imagination would flicker to life and you know, we would have this kind of puppet show going on inside our brains. And the wonderful magic of that, of the imagination. <clears throat> uh, but that too was a narrative frame. So here's a, a person who's able to do that just through speaking. Can tell a story and transport uh, a person or people for for a while, and then they they return. But a book is a, a narrative frame. Uh, I'm sort of thinking, oh, it would be interesting to have a a book within a book. And I played a video game for a while that had. Uh, books within the game and you could open up these books and they would 
you know, give a, a, a little bit. You know, of course you couldn't have a whole book, but wouldn't that be awesome if you could... Um, and, and an opportunity for uh, people who make games to use uh, public public content. For example, Frankenstein. You know, that you could have a video game where there's a, a library and all of the books, you can actually open them up and uh, that they're public domain, I guess. So... So... Not sure if I have anything just left to say about about the nested or narrative frames. Just that, just that it's it, uh, different different perspectives. I'm just thinking of switches in point of view, like say when changing chapters and you're going at it from a different point of view. You know, instead of your main character, you're tackling it from the secondary character's POV. And in a way, I guess that's what I'm, I'm talking about, that you know, we're, o- we're opening up a, a different story different perspective, different way of seeing. So even in changing point of view, we have these frames that that are shifting. Which is which is slight slightly different than you know I'm telling a story about a person who told me a story who <laughs> uh, heard another story, and so on and so on. Which which I'm attracted to, but I, d- I don't know if it's feasible. Um, but it's, it's something to think about, something to talk about. Anywho, thanks for listening, and take care.